0: This morning, you might even call this a bit of a, an FCA chapel. I didn't necessarily plan it this way, but I love the Olympics. Now, I think when I was your age, I don't know that I paid so much attention to it. But boy, you know, in recent years, I watch the Olympics every night. I'm taping it. I mean, I'm watching everything from the cycling to the basketball to the swimming to the diving not really badminton, some of those things, but, but I love the Olympics. I love the stories, the profiles of the athletes you get to see. Every four years, it happens. And it just seems like that's part of the drama, that athletes work so hard for that one moment. And sometimes it's one race. And so I've really enjoyed getting to know a few Olympic athletes over the years. Um, This was uh, something I grabbed this morning. It's called the Athlete's Topical Bible. You all are too young to know who's on the front of this, but this guy one time in the 90s was very famous. His name is is Dave Johnson, and he won bronze in the Barcelona Olympics back in the 90s. There was the most famous ad campaign of Dan O'Brien, who was also a decathlon athlete like Dave Johnson. It's a Reebok deal, and it was... Everybody was talking about it. Everybody watched Dan get gold and Dave get bronze. That's all anybody could think about. I remember we had Dave come to Nebraska and it was, it was exciting. I even had him come to a little Christian school in Grand Island, Grand Island Christian. So here was this guy that had just appeared in front of millions on TV and here he's doing chapel for us. A couple of years later I had Jim Ryan who was a great runner and Jim had won a bunch of medals and he did something for us, and then this year, I really wanted Allison Felix to come and talk to you guys, you know, the runner who's done so well, but she's a little bit busy still, and maybe someday we'll get to have Allison, but I've had a chance to get to know Allison and interview her for the FCA magazine, and her dad is a professor at the Master Seminary, so that means he was my son's professor. So that kind of helped each year when I go out to Los Angeles, I'll see her dad and how's Allison doing, when are we going to get her to Nebraska and he always just kind of smiles and you know she's really, really busy. So someday, maybe, Allison Felix, but this morning, because I don't have Allison, I don't have Dave Johnson, I don't have Jim Ryan, I just have me, I do have somebody who's going to share some lessons this morning and you've got the handout and we'll kind of work our way through it and... I found some video clips just so you could get to know this guy a little bit better. If maybe you didn't watch the the diving, uh, as you can see on your sheet, this is a guy named David Badiah. I really never paid a lot of attention to him, but he won gold in London at the last Olympics, and then he just won bronze, and he's not only an individual diver, but he does the synchronized, where he does the diving with a partner. And so we're going to see one of those clips here in a few minutes. But I want to start with the first clip, which is actually a commercial, a Visa commercial from the last Olympics, just so you can get a little bit of a picture of this diver and the kind of talent that he has. So Mr. Flynn's going to help me with a few of these videos, and then we'll jump to our lesson right after this short video clip. David would dive will make over
1: 25,000 practice dives.
0: know if you caught that, but 25,000 dives, that's a lot of dives. Now I want you to pull out your sheet. We're going to look at some lessons. This is a, comes from his new book titled Greater Than Gold. It's a good book title, isn't it? And so I've titled this this morning Five Lessons from an Olympic Gold Medalist. Again, he won gold in London. So number one, and to kind of keep you with me this morning and to help you learn a little bit better, I've got some, a few fill-in-the-blanks. So we need to have your pens ready and your notes ready to go here. So the number one lesson that I start with here is don't live by how you feel, but by what you know to be true. So that blank is true. So not how you feel, but by what you know to be true. And then here's a quote from David's book right underneath it, and I gave you that whole quote. So let's look at that together. It says, Our hearts and minds deceive us by telling us that we should trust ourselves, our wisdom, our feelings, our instincts, rather than trusting what God says through the Bible. And then he refers to Galatians 2.20, that what we need to focus on is that we no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Athletes get this, right? I mean, if you've got a 6 o'clock basketball practice, or you got to go out and run during the summer at 6 o'clock and you wake up, there are days you don't feel like running, right? But if you remind yourself of what's true, that if I go out today and I train and I get myself out of bed and I get out there and I work on basketball or volleyball or football or any sport that you're competing in, what you know to be true is most likely, you get better. You get better. That's especially true in the summer when you don't necessarily have a coach who's watching over you every moment. And so it's a discipline issue. But when I think about what David's saying here is, our culture, if you think about this in the spiritual sense, our culture is trying to sell us, go with your feelings, your instincts. And I showed this as a commercial. This was a Visa commercial. We're flooded by commercials. We're flooded by products. It's promise and say, buy this, feel better. Buy this, look better. Buy this, be happy. And what David's saying is this, that you've got to suppress those feelings and realize there's something that is true. And what's true is God's word. And we are influenced, I think, by our culture. I see this all the time with people that even church hop, where they go to church and they're like, well, I'm here if it makes me feel good. And I'll ask the questions, what other reasons are you here today? Well, I just want to feel like I can feel the music. And it's all about, sometimes when it's all about feelings, I realize they have been influenced by our culture more than the Bible and God's Word. Because what God's Word tells us is, What's true is what should influence us the most. What is true? So I thought this was, this first one, a really great lesson. Number two, number two, take your thoughts captive. Take your thoughts captive. So the fill in the blank word is captive. And then you see the quote from David's book, which says, Our obedience to Christ must be marked not just by how we act externally, but by how we think inwardly. You don't have to give in to sinful thoughts. Take them captive to obey Christ. And he references 2 Corinthians 10.5, which tells us to take every thought captive for the Lord. One of the verses that early on really influenced me as a Christian athlete and as a coach, in Proverbs it says, For as a man thinks within himself so he is and the idea of the proverb is as you think about things it will influence your behavior the way you act and the things that are around you so if if you're thinking negative thoughts if you're thinking man this stinks today i didn't want to play this team i didn't want to get out here and train if you're thinking those thoughts it's going to influence your behavior it's going to be harder to train to go out If you're thinking today, a certain class, you're not looking forward to it, or you're having a conflict with somebody, if you're thinking those kind of thoughts rather than thinking about scripture and taking those thoughts captive, like David says, every thought captive to Christ, you're going to be influenced in a wrong way. Coaches see this all the time with teams. Because as you have a few people get kind of negative, and they talk to One person talks to a second person. They talk to a third person, a fourth person. It spreads like poison. Before you know it, you don't know what happened. And what happened was the thinking changed. The thinking changed. And what David's saying is, as Christians, we need to take every captive thought for the Lord. And that includes the things we watch, the way we talk, the way we think about people. And so if you're walking around going, I just, I hate these people. I hate being here. It's going to influence you in a negative way. But if you think about Christ, if you think about the gospel and this is what I found to be so helpful if you think about what Jesus did for us on the cross it really helps you forgive other people it helps you not have unrealistic expectations of other people and so when I was coaching whether it was girls or boys if an athlete let me down in the game because guess what we're gonna let each other down as coaches and players I would think to myself You know what? When I think about my faults and how much God has forgiven me for my sin, how can I be so hard on anybody else, really? So I just bring myself back and think about that gospel truth about how much I've been forgiven and how can I possibly have a standard, an expectation of other people around me that's so unrealistic that I can't forgive those people. I can't, I just only want to think negative things about them. It's ridiculous when I think about the gospel and how much I've been forgiven. Now, this next video is titled, The Journey to the Olympics. We're going to look at a lesson, but I want you to see this video first and just kind of see this journey that David went on.
1: Entering the London
0: Games, the dozen years since the USA had won a medal in Olympic diet, has seen any clips by China. The first steps for reversing that trend That was the London Olympics when he first got gold. Let's look at our number three lesson. And again, lessons from Olympic gold medalists. Number three says this, Be process-oriented, not results-oriented. So results is the word for the fill in the blank. Be process-oriented, not results-oriented. And the quote from the book says this, right underneath "This focus on the process, the journey itself, allows us to focus our energies more on things we can control. Psalm 37, 5, commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will act. So the difference here is this, results-oriented would mean that you're sitting around and you're dreaming and only thinking about the gold medal, or winning the championship, or being a starter on your team. So you think about, that's the result I want. And what David's saying, and I think what we find in Scripture is that the process is most important. You look at Colossians 3.23 that says, Whatever you do, do you work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. It's about process. It's not about if you're going to think about the goal, the result, the goal is to glorify God and become like Christ. It's not the championship that we sit around and think about because that doesn't help you become a better athlete. So David focused on what he had to do every day to get better and let the results take care of themselves. Now, some of you know the name Tom Osborne. If you're older, you look up to him as a legend. It's actually been 20 years since he was a Nebraska football coach. That seems, that seems insane. There's a big article coming out soon in the New York Times. Coach Brown told me about it. He was interviewed by the New York Times. So I don't know when that's coming out, but it'll be soon. And they, I said, Ron, why, why'd they, why are they interviewing Tom? And he says, well, I think it's because there's been few coaches that have influenced college football and actually few men that have influenced a state like Nebraska. So he said, I think that's what is going to be in the article. Some of you know I got to do a book with Coach Osborne. He was my coach way back in the 1970s and I did a book with him called Mentoring Matters recently. He has a mentoring program and Coach Osborne is driven to go out and sign up mentors in schools to help students Become better students, better athletes. Ultimately, he'd like to see them come to know Christ. Coach Osborne is 79, getting ready to turn 80. Some of you see him at Heartland Church because in the summer he's at his home that's here near Central City, and he loves to do one thing. He loves it. He loves to fish. He always has. But he doesn't spend his days out here fishing. Occasionally he fishes. But what he knows is he wants to make his life count, to have purpose, and he's always been concerned with the process. What do we need to get done today? And he learned this, and you folks are a little older, you remember this guy. He learned this from another coach, a guy named John Wooden, who was a head basketball coach at UCLA back in the 50s and 60s and was insanely successful. I think it was like 9 out of 10 national basketball championships he won he was so good it just it just boggles the mind and coach Osborne got to know John when coach Osborne was early in his football career and he asked coach Wooden he said coach I notice in your books and in your interviews you rarely if ever talk about winning coach Wooden said you know what Tom I I don't because I want to focus on one thing and that is the process. The process. I want the players not to be thinking about the national championship game or how they're going to be some kind of a star on the team. I want them to think about what is the process? What do we need to do today? And let's enjoy today the process, the practice. Coach Osborne patterned his coaching after that. So if you talk to players around coach Osborne they'll say you know he did coach Osborne didn't do it that way either and it's because of the process so I think when you look at David Badiah you look at an Olympian you realize that he wasn't sitting around waking up every day and going I visualize a gold medal around my neck what he was getting up and thinking about what do I need to do today to become better apply that spiritually we're called to be set apart it's the big word sanctification maybe you've heard of it and all it means is this, that we're to become like Christ more and more every day. It's a process. It's cool to think that that is a process. Someday we're going to be glorified. That's a big word. Some of you may be heard. Someday we're going to be glorified, ultimately be with Christ. But right now we're slowly, gradually, hopefully, if we know Christ, moving more and more closely to becoming like Christ, but we won't be perfect in this world But there's a process that's going on, just as there's a process for David and his diving. Uh, This next video is a little bit about his book and a little bit about his faith, Greater Than Gold.
1: passion and obsession came when I was seven years old, watching the Olympic Games. Uh, My family was Olympic fanatic, so uh, that was what I wanted to be when I grew up, because I thought that was what was going to make me happy, what makes me satisfied the most. Along my journey to the Olympic Games, through many different sports, I started to, to see and I started to taste the success that I could come out of that, and the more I tasted it, and the more that I saw my dream become a reality, the more miserable my life became. I think that a lot of us, whether your background is in church, whether it's farthest away from church, a lot of us, we want something or our lives, we want to pursue some sort of satisfaction. And for me, the reason why I wanted to write this book was to share that I've tasted a lot of things that the world was able to satisfy, so I've tasted uh, the focus, the accolades, the fame, and the wealth—and I could say that I would never truly be satisfied. There's, I was always longing for something more. so, for me to get able to get my sport the highest level that I can be, is still say there's something else to life, and there has to be—and for me, that was.
0: There's the, the book where we're taking the lessons from this morning. Let's look at number four. Number four. In David's book he writes, put your hope. The fill in the blank word is the word hope. Put your hope in the right place. And then from David's book, you see underneath there is a quote. It says, fame is fleeting. Riches can vanish in an instant. Pursuing each Such temporary pleasures may provide momentary joy, but not joy in its fullest as God designed his people to have it. And then Ecclesiastes 4.4 is a verse I put with this. It says, then I saw all the toil, all the skill and work come from a man's envy of his neighbor. This also is vanity and striving after wind, striving after wind. So what David you saw him talk about in the videos is his faith when he put it in Christ, he put it in Jesus, and he began to study and understand that Jesus was his example, the one that paid his price on the cross. He put his hope in Jesus, his hope in his future, in the Lord, and that made all the difference. Now this next video comes from these recent Olympic games. And this was pretty cool. And it actually is uh, from the NBC websites. We might get a brief commercial. It wasn't one of those. It was on Vimeo or YouTube, but an NBC. But this was live, and I thought the person who was doing the commentating, I thought, I wonder what was going on in their mind as these two divers who are teammates are talking about their identity in Christ. Looks like we got a Coke commercial there. So this one is titled... uh, Faith to put minds at ease is kind of what the video is titled as. Okay, here we go.
1: For you, your first ever Olympics, first ever Olympic event, how were you able to maintain your composure so well? I think the way David just described it was flawless. The, the fact that I was going into this event knowing that my identities were in Christ and not what the result of this competition is just gave me peace, it gave me ease, and it let me enjoy the contest. If something went great, I was happy. If something were great, I could still find joy because I'm at the Olympics competing with the best person, the best mentor, the, just one of the best people to be around. Uh,
0: so God gave us a cool
1: opportunity, and I'm glad I
0: could come away with a little bit of silver. Congratulations, people! It's pretty cool. Let's look at our sheets again. We've got lesson number five. Lesson number five. Lesson number five is all I have is Christ. All I have is Christ. So Christ is the is the blank. It's really a, a summary of the last two points in a sense. And you can see from the book, David says this, You can take the gold medal away from me if all I have is Jesus. Then Jesus is enough. The Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. John fourteen six. So David's hope, his only hope is in Christ. In his book, David goes on to talk about this. He says, eventually, your family, your friends, the people around you, your teammates, will let you down at some point. Some will let you down in a big way, some maybe in a small way, and it's because we are not perfect, but that's why we need to keep in mind that what we have is Christ, When I counsel people at church, here's what I find is most people come in and they've been hurt. Maybe it's a spouse that's had their husband or wife walk away from the relationship and they're hurt and they're burned and they're hurting. And there's only one answer. There's only one way to get through it. It's Christ. It's not complex. It's pretty simple. The one thing they still have is Christ. I see that same thing when I see families that come in and kids are struggling. About a year ago, we had one student who was a runaway. Parents are disappointed. The student's upset, disappointed. It comes back to one thing. What do we have here? All we have is Christ. That's why I love that song. It's such a powerful song to think that what we have is Christ. We can expect that in this life, There will be circumstances and hardships and setbacks, but if we have Christ, we are able to go through anything. You know the verse that says, I can do what? All things, it's in Philippians, all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the Apostle Paul writing in Philippians, he's in prison. His perspective is, I can get through tough circumstances. Sometimes athletes look at that verse and they go, hey, I can do all things. That means... I'm 5'10, I'm gonna think in my mind that I'm gonna grow to be six foot two in the next 12 months. That's my goal. It's crazy, right? That's not what the verse means. It doesn't mean that as an athlete you can do anything. That's not what the verse is written for. By the way, I had a high school teammate that actually set that goal. Like he was gonna grow four inches, and I'm just like, it can't work that way. You've got DNA and it's all planned out, and you're gonna be whatever it's gonna be. But sometimes there's that idea that we can do anything well the dna has pretty much decided where you're going to be five foot eight or six foot one you're going to change some of those things some of the circumstances in your life are going to happen to you but you can as a christian you can mentally get through that if you're focused on christ so if you've got a setback you're injured anything that's going on in your life today christ is the answer it's that simple I also teach children's church in Sunday school. I got like three- to six-year-olds, and so many of the lessons come down to the answer is, Jesus. Finally, one of the five-year-olds looked at me one Sunday school when we were going through this, and, and it was like, "Coach, I know the answer." I said, "What do you think the answer is? It's Jesus." I said, "Why do you say this? Because it's always Jesus." And I said, "Well, that's about right, because it is that simple. it is Jesus. And the more we are focused on Jesus and his life and understand his word, the more power we have in the sense that we can get through circumstances. One of my best friends has a Friday men's study and we work with guys from the open door. These are guys that have lost their families. They've lost everything. We get about 15 to 20 guys every Friday and it's pretty amazing. They might be One of the guys is 19 years old and was a meth dealer. One of the bigger meth dealers in Omaha became a Christian a year ago. And I just find it fascinating talking to him and hearing his testimony and how his life has radically changed because of Jesus. And you look at that and people that do counseling would say that can't happen because the meth changes the way they think, their life. How could this guy get off meth and change his life? The answer is Jesus. I also see guys that are 60 years old that have lost their families, have nothing, and they're able to go on because of one thing, Jesus. My friend Mike always does this. As guys are leaving Friday morning. He says, do you guys have a one-year Bible? And a one-year Bible is a Bible that takes you through the Bible in a year that you read something from the Bible every day. And so there isn't a guy that ever leaves on Friday that isn't offered. You need one of these. You need one of these. A Bible and a reading plan, and you need to read this every day. Because Mike knows that, yeah, Friday morning when we're together, our focus is on Christ. We're pretty much together. We can go through a lesson like this. But we need, you need every day to keep your focus on Christ. Just as David Bodiah woke up every day and said today... I need to process, I need to think about what do I do to become better as a diver? What do I need to do to grow as a diver? How do you grow as a Christian? It's so simple, isn't it? We're praying, we're reading God's word, we're growing. That's how we grow. So I'll leave you with that today, that all we have is Christ. And as we launch into our e-groups, I wish we, had, we were ready for e-groups this morning, it'd be so fun, but as we launch into e-groups, You're going to have the chance to get to know a small group of folks. You're going to have a chance to pray, to share things, and hopefully do this. Encourage one another. Because one thing that's true of all these Olympic athletes, and for sure the ones I've talked to, is they've had teammates that have helped them, that have encouraged them. And they've had coaches that said, hey, 6 o'clock, I'll be there. I'll be there with you. So we need each other to help us grow in that process. We need teammates. And those e-groups, those are your teammates to help grow spiritually. So we're really hoping and praying that you will, you will see that that's your way of helping you grow as you pray, as you study God's word. I'm going to close us in prayer, and then we will be dismissed. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for a diver like David and that he has the opportunity, even through his book, Greater Than Gold, to... Really share the gospel, some life lessons that can be helpful to us as athletes and Christians. Thank you for these students. and Lord, I know that even as the school years launch, that we've got struggles and setbacks and circumstances that come at us. And I know that because of you, we're able to work through those things and have the hope that is in Christ. So I pray for the students this morning that they'd be encouraged that they put their focus in the right place. They walk out of here encouraged today, knowing that you're the answer, that you provided a relationship with us, that we can spend eternity with you in heaven. And this is all just temporary that we're in right now. And someday we will have true gold and glory. Thank you, Lord, for this. And pray you'd bless the students today with their classes and on the sports field too. just pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.